Hey everybody, thank you for joining us again for this cover to cover Unpacking the Intimate God. We are here with Pastor Alan Craft, the author, um, as well as KJ Tenza. Thank you for being here, even though you've been a little bit under the weather. We're really glad that you're here with us. So today we are diving into the second chapter, which is on the practice of stillness. Yep. And I will be fully vulnerable with you. This was the hardest one for me. Really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> And Tell I, me more. I know, right? Yeah, make it the Jenny therapy session here. Um, <laughs> but I would love to just know, like, what inspired you to focus on this particular practice? Yeah, I think um, I, too, had had kind of a bad experience with stillness, I think, in the sense of being told that I need time for silence. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I would do it, uh, my mind would race and... It would be a frustrating kind of experience and um, feeling like I'm supposed to hear from God, but I'm not hearing anything. And and so I think for a long time, I actually had kind of an, not an aversion to it, but more of an ought to, but it didn't really connect with me. And I think something shifted in the last few years, um, probably related to um, some of the biblical imaging thing, mm-hmm. but also what shifted for me was when I realized that stillness is, it's this invitation from God to us to, to begin by being present to ourselves. Right. And that opened up a whole new experience of stillness because rather than, okay, I'm going to be quiet and I'm going to focus on the Lord, you know, that that just never worked for me. Yeah. Right. So what began to, has been way more life-giving for me is I begin in stillness by asking, where am I? And I'm I'm asking the Lord that question, you know, from Genesis chapter three, his question to Adam and Eve, where are you? But that question is so life-giving for me because then I'm able to tune into my own heart and and I'm realizing, man, I'm carrying some stress about a meeting later today and I'm still thinking about something that happened last night and all of that's okay. It's almost like we've been taught in stillness, you're with God, so you got to put all that other stuff aside and you just got to focus on him. That didn't work for me. Right. What I found working for me was when I bring my whole self, my real self, mm-hmm. And I spend the first few moments of silence, uh, of stillness, just tuning into me, tuning into where I am. Uh, I use that analogy and I just briefly mention it, but I, I sometimes will envision my heart or my life when I'm having experiencing stillness seated around it, the different parts of me seated around a table. And that may sound weird to people, but it's it's the reality that our heart is multifaceted. And so I can be experiencing joy in the same moment that I can experience some fear about something later. It's these multi-compartments yeah. of our heart. And so in stillness, if I can, if I, when I began to start with this question, where am I? Man, that, that just opened up a whole new world for me because then I can welcome Jesus into these places where I really am right now, rather than trying to pretend, be this pretend false self, spiritual, and I'm going to spend time listening to God. Um, yeah, that that really transformed the whole concept for me personally. That's yeah, I love when you you've talked about that before, like at a table and visualizing, yeah, this place of hurt or this place mm-hmm. of anger or this place of shame or, you know, 
And I think having that vulnerability, but that is, that's where I, that's where it's so hard. It is so hard for me to shut, I say, shut my brain down. So when you give yourself permission to not shut your brain down, I think that's where like that true connection can really then happen. Yeah, because, and I want to get KJ's thoughts on this yeah. because I know your brain works very differently. Very differently. And, so, <laughs> um, and so what I've talked He's about like, it. like, I'm already there. <laughs> what I've talked about it, yeah, KJ, like, I, I can't go there. I, there are too many things. And so I, I'd love to hear how you process stillness in light of that, because I'm speaking from my own experience mm-hmm. as someone who lived a number of years kind of disconnected from my heart. And so my whole life was keep going, plow, you know, mm-hmm. plow ahead, keep, you know, even if you're stressed, you know, and so... I live with this disconnect from my heart. And so that's why I think for me, stillness, this question of where am I, is so powerful. And the idea, Jenny, as I think you were alluding to, is that every part is welcome. Yes. See, that's something that in the church we have not done a good job. It, I'm, I'm not supposed to be afraid. And so I can't welcome to the table the part of me that feels afraid. I need to resist that. And so what happens is there are parts of us that are there for a reason. There are legitimate parts of us, of our heart. But we're basically taught in Christianity that certain parts of us are not welcome mm-hmm. to the table. Mm, and that short circuits the whole experience of stillness because I'm only bringing to God then this false self the self that I think I'm supposed to be like, rather than bringing my whole self. And that that's huge. Mm-hmm. That's huge. That's good. But I want to hear how yeah. you, because <laughs> you're a heart guy, you yeah. live out of your heart. So what does stillness look like for you? Okay, so here's, here's a couple of things that I was thinking about during that. Um, as you had been talking, uh, the term silence popped up quite a lot. So Mm. silence and stillness that they were kind of holding hands or taking each other's places. And uh, I think there's something in that that's that's pretty interesting, Um, that it isn't just about being still in a place, but it's there's this practice of silence too that's kind of happening at the same time. And I found that that tends to be terrifying for people because mm-hmm. that their heart actually talks to them. Yes. And and um, there are, are quite a few people who hate being st- st- still or by themselves um, because it's in those times they actually begin to encounter their own heart and it's yes. really uncomfortable for them. Yes. Mm-hmm. And um, there, there's embarrassment, there's shame, right. there's guilt, there's... and. And, you know, going back to how Pastor Allen um, had brought up this whole topic of God in the garden calling out, you know, where are you? Uh, The thing that's that's cool about that whole story is Adam and Eve are hiding. And they're hiding because they're embarrassed that they don't have any clothes on. They haven't ever had any clothes on. (laughs) Ever. And, and God built that context, right? He built them without clothes. And so their whole encounter of God and God's encounter of them had been with them fully exposed. From God's perspective, there has not been a thing that has changed at all. The thing that changed was how they saw themselves and they saw their heart. They experienced themselves. They saw they didn't have any clothes on and they were embarrassed God's not embarrassed. God isn't afraid. God's not like, he's calling out, you know, like I want to 
be with you how I built you. And that's from a whole heart perspective. Yeah. Um, I hunt and I, I talk to a whole bunch of hunters and they will say their hardest thing about hunting is being by themselves for an extended period of time yeah. Yeah. because they have to be silent and that they have to sit in the same place and it is there that they are haunted by their own heart. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's beautiful to invite Jesus into that space because it's it's creating that whole, the whole scenario again um, of him calling out, here I am, right. you know, and the experience of how he built us. And I, yeah, I think in that story, it's so powerful because they, they were hiding, like you said, and, and that's what we still do. Right. We're hiding our true selves because we think we're not acceptable. Right. God's the one asking. He's not condemning them. He's asking, where are you? He knew exactly where they were geographically. Yeah. That right. was not a geographical question. That was a soul question. And I feel like we live our lives, and especially in this culture <clears throat> where it's so busy and, and we're distracted all the time, when do we stop and ask that question, where, where am, am I? I? Yeah. And that's why it's so unnerving for hunters or others when we do have, yeah. we don't have, we forgot our phone and we're at a coffee shop and... <laughs> We're panicking. What, what, what is that? It's, what do I do with myself? <laughs> right, yeah. That's exactly it. Nope. And that quote from the book about um, that pastor from a few centuries ago, but you know, most human beings have not had any discourse with their heart for right. the 40 and 50 years that they live. Yep. Like that's exact. We're running from our hearts rather than moving towards them. And and this is and we're running from it because we're embarrassed, and the irony is God is moving towards our hearts, <laughs> our true heart. That's where He wants to meet us in those places. Yeah, I even think about going beyond the garden a bit. In the following chapters to come, you have God and Cain outside the garden, and God's talking to Cain, exploring his heart after he killed his brother. Yep. God is not afraid. And like God wants those conversations. He cares about Cain. It actually was before he killed his brother, but um, he was, why Why are you, at least the part about the About anger. his heart. Yeah, yes. Exactly. But, but then I was talking after. about uh, Cain, the blood, the blood of your brother cries out to me from the ground. Right. Um, there's this idea that God is afraid of our sin and he can't be around it. And there's this huge separation. It's like, right. no, like this is the first atrocity that's happened. Absolutely. And God's not afraid of it. He is, he is pursuing it. Yeah. And the interesting thing there, you're right, it's on both sides. Right. You were leading into the after. Right. <clears throat> what happens before is a right. counseling session. Right. God's basically... <laughs> You know, why are you angry? Yep. He's at, he's wanting him to explore his heart. And right. so we see it in the first four chapters of Genesis. God is going after our hearts. He wants us to be aware of that. But we're living lives where we aren't. We're so busy and distracted that we rarely take time to tune into our hearts. And that gets back to why I think stillness, this practice is so important and has been so life-giving for me. That's good. It, it brings us down from understanding God to experiencing Him. Right. It, it, like how cool would it be to have God here saying, 
tell me what's happening in there. Right. Uh, you know, it's like, like, that's the point, right? Like he does, he is doing that. So God isn't some, someone to be understood. He's someone who's like begging us to experience him. Yeah. And we experience him in our hearts. Mm-hmm. And so if we are not even aware of our own heart, we're not going to give him access to those places because we're not even aware. We've kind yeah, of... that's good. I think too, you know, for we are we do live in this, you know, world that we are just consuming all the time. Our brains are going all the time. We're busy, you know, and things are happening. And I love in the book you you do an emphasis on giving oneself grace, especially if you're distracted during this stillness time. And I love that you do that. It's comforting because it's very relatable. Um, but I would love, like, how can people navigate these feelings of, like, guilt and shame when you're trying to do this? Like, what um, what what advice would you give people as they're starting this process of stillness? Yeah, I think do have grace for yourself because um, it is a learning. It's a new experience of tuning into our own heart and then realizing that God wants to meet us in that place. Mm -hmm. And so I think for me, it's crucially important to connect it with week one of his delight. And if we can know that God delights in us and lean into that place when we are, um, when we realize there's shame at the table or there's anxiety at the table, or there's something that we don't even really want (laughs) that's at the table. That's something that our heart is experiencing right now. If we can hold that before the Lord and let him move towards us, that is so life-giving. And um, so I would just encourage people to lean into that. If there are places where we're like stuck in an emotion, um, I think that may have happened last week when Mm -hmm. we talked about imagining yourself in the prodigal son story. I know of people that when they go through that exercise, they get stuck in a particular place. Well, that's just helpful information. And so I really think... Whatever we're experiencing in that stillness time with the Lord, and maybe if it is an emotion that we don't know what to do with, that's okay. It's not a, we don't have to fix it. Let's be with Jesus in that emotion and see what happens, you know, see where he leads, see what he does, rather than feeling ashamed about it or feeling like we got to fix it. Because a lot of times... When we explore an emotion, we'll talk about this, I think, in a later chapter, but when we stop and actually explore an emotion, kind of like Cain, God says, why are you so angry? There's a wealth of information beneath that emotion. There's a reason that it's there. And so if we can begin to tune in to the Lord's love for us in those places, it becomes this... um, this uh, place where we can experience um, him and we can get insight into why we're experiencing this emotion, what is truly happening. And so then we're welcoming Jesus into the root of that. And that's that's when it becomes transformative. Mm. That's really good. Any thoughts on that? I know it's like... Yeah, I was... It, it, so it's totally coming to the, the end here, but I was thinking, how cool is it that people can experience Jesus for themselves 
because it has been a cultural habit or pattern to to experience Jesus through others who are experiencing him. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I go to church to hear a sermon of someone who heard from God, and he will tell me. Or I I sing the songs that somebody else wrote, and or I. I read a book about somebody else's experience, mm-hmm. and I I understand that this is true. I'm coming to this place. I'm like, this is the thing that's cool about our this book is that it isn't. Here's content about how Pastor Allen experienced yeah. God. It's here's content about how I experienced God, but you can experience it. To yeah. by yourself yeah. and in community, and you can see his face, and he delights in you, and it's it's kind of shifting the, the perspective a, a lot, and I I think that that is pretty incredible. So thank you. Yeah, could I would love to follow up on that um, question because I do think it's really an important one. And I remember you making a comment to me. I, <clears throat> I'd love to know how you experience stillness because. I think when we were talking about it, you said, I am so aware of my heart. Sometimes I have to kind of rein that in. And I think that's what Mm -hmm. you were getting at too a little bit. I'd Mm -hmm. love to hear from your perspectives, because again, I'm coming from a place where I have been disconnected from my heart. And this is welcoming these parts is really important and it's new to Mm me. Right. But there are people listening that there are... 14 people yes. at the table all the time at a heart emotions. And so how I'm curious how you navigate that in terms of your experience of stillness, where do you, what does that look like for you? Yeah. I I'll think, let you go first. <laughs> okay. So, so how you introduce the practice and saying, here's the part of stillness that I hated. That's the part that I enjoy. Mm-hmm. I enjoy, Joy, uh, I enjoy practicing stillness, and I say everything stop, mm-hmm. and I p- picture my heart vanishing, and all the chaos vanishing, and it's just him, mm-hmm. and it's this idea of everything's okay. Um, I tend, ugh, I don't know what, right? Um, but I tend to experience everything. If I'm talking to somebody, I feel like I absorb them and I feel mm-hmm. what they're feeling. And and so it is a, a common thing to go to a quiet place and just sit there and just say, everything stop. And, and, and in that place, I always just picture a campfire mm-hmm. and then he's on the other side and he does not say anything and I do not say anything. It's just sitting in his presence and everything is okay. And that's it. I love that. Yeah. I love how I think, and I hope people hear that they're, I'm presenting yeah. the way that I experience right. stillness. Um, but that there may be maybe the way certain people are wired that it's very different and that idea of a table that isn't helpful for them. What is, is it's just them and Jesus. So it's a minimizing, yep. it's a detaching right. that needs to happen for them. Um, and the goal is the same. It's meeting Jesus right where right. we are, but it's realizing the way we're wired and what that experience might look like. I, 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 I have a different experience. To the place that he 
brings you. It's like mm. to ask him to create the context. Yeah. Mm. You know, so it's possible he creates the table, table for, and yeah. there are all the parts of mm. your heart. Um, but it's possible he'll bring somebody else to to a valley or yeah. Saturn or uh, who knows, you know, but I, I had know. this, <laughs> you're like, you have, you're talking about, we have people at the table and you don't, you like, it's like, it's just me and him. Whereas I'm at the table and I'm like, who invited you? <laughs> and God's like, I did. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> but having this, yeah. uh, I, it's funny because going through this process and pr doing these practices and everything, in this chapter, particularly in that week, I came to a place of granting myself grace when I did two minutes of stillness mm -hmm. and felt yep. good about it. Yep. And it was like, I was talking with my husband too, and it was like, it's almost like when you're running and you're like, I did two whole minutes. You know, I was like, <laughs> yes, I've achieved. Right. But it's like, I think... I think it was really important to kind of at the end, you end with the encouragement to keep practicing and keep practicing and that it will continue to build on that. And I do believe in that. And I do believe in, you know, you practice it and it becomes more um, just something that you do and becomes easier and easier. Yeah. Yeah. I really think that's true. And I think we, um, even through all of our different experiences, I think the reason you come with just Jesus is because you feel so many things. Yeah. But in that experience, Jesus brings, he brings the emotion. He mm -hmm. brings the thing he wants to address. I tend to live disconnected from my heart. And so for me, the stillness mm -hmm. becomes a place. Okay, who is at the table? Right. And you're at a place where there are people at the I don't are, want you here. <laughs> right. There are parts of the table. Yeah. And, and what does it look like to actually welcome Jesus into that place. And the other thing I would say is um, related to what you just mentioned, Jenny, I'll just throw this out there, but I think um, I would encourage people to practice stillness to the point at which it pushes them beyond their yes. comfort zone. Yep. So for some people, two minutes is going to be huge, yes. right? So I was in a meeting with my counselor recently and he challenged me to three hours. Oh my gosh. I know. <laughs> And that was my Go initial hunting. reaction. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I'm telling you, That's that was amazing. one of the most, it was incredibly life-giving for me. Mm -hmm. But it made me nervous when he even said it. And I'm like, hey, I've written a chapter on this, you know, or whatever. But he's he was challenging me and in a good way to go beyond what's comfortable for mm -hmm. me. And uh, that was huge, honestly, because... When there's a when it's a space that's uncomfortable for us, it really we are entering into space where it's like, I don't have to hurry. Right. I don't have to. I'm, this isn't about any agenda. Mm -hmm. And so I think when we can lean into that, that really opens a door for an experience of God meeting us because we're not in a hurry. Right. And we truly can bring to Him our nervousness, our discomfort, and then. We're just there. Yeah. And uh, so I'm not encouraging people to take three hours unless they feel like I that's... I know. I think that's a great challenge. <laughs> <laughs> but but do, um, yeah, push yourself in a... You know what I mean? Ma yeah. Make this experience of stillness something that does feel a little out of your comfort zone. It's the only way we grow. I right? think yeah. that's right. That's right. Absolutely. I heard this poem super long time ago, and I can't quote it 
perfectly, sure. but it was something like, if you ever want to go on a great pilgrimage, go in a closet and sit by yourself. Yep, that's fantastic. Wow, <laughs> it's so true. Well, on that note, <laughs> thank you guys so much for being here. Thank you for uh, just continuing this journey with us. Um, we encourage you to go over to allencraft.com. We've got a lot of resources there. The exercises are there. Um, there's some uh, discussion notes if you're doing this with a small group. So um, head over there. There are lots of resources. We'd love for you to continue this with us, and we will see you next week. Yep. <laughs>